Welcome to the Domination Sports Nation podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Chris. And we're back with another episode. Great to be back, Dom. We are now facing Super Bowl 56, the Cincinnati Bengals against the Los Angeles Rams. Second year in a row, team gets to play in their home stadium after, what, 54 years of not having it? So it'll be interesting to say the least. Yeah, especially because there's actually going to be a sold-out crowd, not like last year where there's limited capacity. So it's going to be interesting to see if Rams fans show up because they clearly didn't it for the NFC Championship game. They did not, despite the best efforts of Coach Sean McVay and players and their wives. Uh was fairly even split between red and blue shirts and jerseys in the SoFi Stadium crowd. But, uh, yeah, I think uh don't think there'll be an issue here. Super Bowls tend to have a more non-partial audience yeah it seems like a lot of fans that aren't really rooting for a specific team they just like to go there and have a little experience it's something to check off of their bucket list yeah and you know dom i agree with that we looked into tickets briefly saw the low and average price and uh, realized we're not going to be going to sofi to see the super bowl yeah five thousand dollars for nosebleeds and you and I went to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, and we saw how high those nosebleeds are, so it's not worth it. Yeah, you're basically watching on the, the huge TV they have that hangs from the center of the roof, which, which is impressive, by the way, but I'm not going to pay $5,000 to watch it on TV. Yeah. So, Dom, recapping, we had an interesting AFC and NFC championship. Uh, comebacks by both of the teams that ended up headed to the Super Bowl. First off, uh, your Chiefs. Blew a 21-3 lead, and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, because he's got ice in his veins, came back and led the Bengals to an overtime victory. Yeah, it was a crazy game, to say the least. The Chiefs really found the inner Atlanta Falcons in them, and they blew that lead. And I think it really all started when they had five seconds left on the clock towards the end of the first half, and Andy Reid decided to go for the touchdown, got a little greedy instead of kicking a field goal, taking the points, and they ran a little bubble screen to Tyreek Hill, and it got smothered, and the Chiefs didn't get any points out of that. So I think that was definitely a big part in the game because the Chiefs really could have added some more points there. Definitely a turning point. I was shocked by that. I was shocked he even went for it, take the points. But if you're going to, run a quick play in the end zone and – worst case it goes incomplete and there's a tick left on the clock for Bucker to kick but bad call but I, th- I think the most atrocious call was Chiefs driving late in the game they're more concerned with running clock instead of scoring I've always thought that's rated going back to the Giants last Super Bowl victory 10 years ago against the Patriots Ahmad Bradshaw scored and there was all this controversy about it the Giants held up he- holding on to win came down to the end of the game but still um You've got to score. That's first and foremost. Let put the pressure on the other team's offense. The Bengals would have had to score a touchdown point, not a field goal to tie. Yeah, just look at the Chiefs' final drive in the fourth quarter where they're looking to possibly take the lead. They had the ball with five minutes left, and Tony Romo wouldn't shut up about how the Chiefs can just run the clock down and win the game, but they didn't do that. They had first and goal. Mahomes just was just running around the whole game. No one was open, and Mahomes really didn't look good. He looked like that. Mahomes, we saw the first few weeks of the season when the Chiefs weren't at their brightest. 
Yeah, first off, Dom, we'll talk about Tony Romo later, but enough of him. He also said, too, the Bengals should let the Chiefs score, and uh, I, I guess he forgot that game where Russell Wilson got picked off in the end zone. The Patriots won a Super Bowl, but I digress. Yeah, don't uh, don't like the play calling at all. Don't like the logic behind it. And then, two, you're right about Mahomes. I don't know. I don't know what his deal was, but the Cincinnati defense definitely frustrated him in the second half. And you called it once they took a former giant, much maligned giant Eli Apple off of Tyreek Hill. It was like the game changed in the second half. Yeah, you're right about that. Tyreek Hill was burning Eli Apple and the Bengals found a halftime adjustment for that. And they just did something different. What I saw is that they only rushed three or four guys, four guys at the most and just dropped everyone into coverage. So, any route that the Chiefs tried to take, whether it was short or long, the Bengals had everyone on it. They jumped on it. Yeah, I know Jared McKinnon was running well at points in the game, but they pretty much abandoned that, and, and Mahomes taking two costly sacks. Uh, they, they tie the game, they go to overtime, and let's, the aforementioned Eli Apple drop what would have been a pick six to end the game, and then right after that on a deflection, Mahomes gets picked off, and the Bengals get the ball back in good field position. Yeah, and then Joe Burrow leads his team down and gets the game-winning field goal for Evan McPherson, and that's all she wrote. But really, I think the Chiefs, they really should have had this game, like you said, the 18-point lead, but also just the mismanaging. I think Eric Bieniemy deserves to be thrown in there as well. He's the offensive play caller. He should be blamed for that loss as well with the play calling. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people have wondered why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job, but if he... Uh... If he is calling the plays, maybe that's part of the reason. Or if not, and Andy Reid's really calling them, then what's he doing? Why is he getting the blame? But uh, yeah, not uh, not impressive. I think Reid has fallen now to three and six in conference championship games. And he was at the Eagles. He had a hard time winning that game, and it looks like he's he's back to that norm. Yeah, you're right about that. And another thing is that this Chiefs defense has never really been good at all this year. I mean. The only time they're at their best is when they shut down the Packers, who were led by Jordan Love, and the Cowboys in Week 11. But the defense, just the secondary is beaten up. They don't have a lot of talent back there. The pass rush is average, to say the least. So going a defense going up against a good quarterback like Joe Burrow has really showed their weakness. You know, Dom, that's a function of the salary cap, as much as Mahomes makes, and good for him, but then you're really forced to draft guys that can produce because you can't sign free agents or keep the guys that are headed into free agency. So something suffers, and clearly with the Chiefs, it's the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and listen, as a fan of Mahomes, as a fan of the Chiefs, I just, Mahomes did deserve a good contract, but I don't know if he deserved that much money. It's a, it's a big commitment and a big contract. You only see that stuff in baseball with next-generation players. Yeah, uh, there'll be some sort of restructuring going on, as we saw with Tom Brady throughout his career. More on him later. But moving on to the NFC, Dom, on the bright side, your local team, the LA Rams, we've been going to training camp down at UC Irvine every year since they returned in 2016. And the second time in Sean McVay's tenure, they're headed back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and hopefully this Super Bowl won't be as bad as the first one that McVay appeared in. He got outcoached in that Super Bowl against the Patriots, but I was very happy to see the Rams get back. Honestly, I wasn't too surprised that they made the Super Bowl. That was their expectation this season with bringing in Matthew Stafford and getting all those additions on defense like Von Miller and having Jalen Ramsey as well. So it's great for this team. 
I think they outmatched the Bengals a little bit on that front seven on the defense with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd, and the Bengals' offensive line being not that good. So I think that could be a thing to look for. Definitely. And on the offensive side of the ball, how about the resurgence of OBJ? The Giants traded him. The Browns basically released him and thought he was washed up. And he, he looks like he's rejuvenated playing with Matt Stafford. Yeah, and how about the best receiver of the NFL, Cooper Cup? He's just been incredible this season. He's been unstoppable, and I hope he shows that in the Super Bowl. As we said, guy should be the MVP. He won't, but I think he's got a legit shot here to win it if the Rams end up winning Super Bowl 56. But back to the game, Dom. Uh, as we analyzed last week's show, it's going to come down to the Rams' defense and what would Jimmy Garoppolo do, and he didn't disappoint if you're a Rams fan. Yeah, he sure didn't. He had that final shovel, shovel pass interception at the end that sealed the win for the Rams, but I really think the blame doesn't go as much on Jimmy Grubb. Kyle Shanahan once again blowing another fourth-quarter lead. We obviously know about the 28-3 to Falcons choke job, but also in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and now in the NFC title game. So Kyle Shanahan, I know he's this offensive genius, but he definitely mismanages games. Yeah, I feel like, too, I'm, I'm sure he really is calling the plays, but he's got that play sheet in front of him. We've seen this in a number of coordinators become head coaches. It's just hard to do. It's hard to manage the game. It's hard to feel the flow of the game, and I'm wondering if that's a distraction. You know, Andy Reid's been much maligned for that. They always talk about they need to get a guy to help them with the clock and game management. Maybe that's the case here, but I was shocked they didn't go for it on fourth and one. Um, they just tried to draw the Rams offside. You knew the Rams weren't going to flinch. At that point, I mean, if you got that much faith in your defense, go for it. If you don't convert, then, uh, you know, you've got a good chance of stopping the Rams because it wasn't like Stafford was lighting up the 49ers at that point. Yeah, another thing was Debo Samuel. I feel like besides that screen pass touchdown that he had, it wasn't really a big factor in this game. I don't know if that was because of Jalen Ramsey covering him or the fact that the Rams have a good run defense, but I feel like he should have been involved in the game plan a little more if they wanted to win that game. Yeah, I feel like the Rams were just focused on not letting Samuel beat them, and they did a good job. He, he got crushed over the middle on a play, too. I don't know if that affected him, but I, I was sad to see. A guy's a passionate player after the game crying. OBJ came over to console him, um, really left his heart on the field. You have to admire that. Yeah, he's a great player, and he's another one of those receivers. He's dual threat. He's kind of like a Cordell Patterson type of player, plays running back and receiver. He's a great player. He needs to be recognized for the season that he had, and he's playing in the Pro Bowl on Sunday, so... Yeah, uh, just an impressive season. And then two uh, Rams defensive back, Jaquiski Tart, dropped an easy, easy interception. We've seen this happen in big games. I know the year the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots, Samuel dropped a, an easy Eli Manning pass for an INT, and I'm sure he's crushed about it, but that was a game changer too. Yeah, especially because of the field position. Stafford threw that ball towards midfield. If the 49er player had caught that, the – 49ers would have a great field position. They would have gotten a field goal at least from Robbie Gold. So that really could have changed the game. But like you said, just he kind of took his eye off of it and it was an interception. The Rams end up scoring off of that drive. He they definitely did. And um, I think it was just insanity to leave Cooper Cup in single coverage. Not sure what the 49ers were thinking there on defense. But uh, yet the Rams move on. Yeah, they sure do. And even with Sean McVay's mismanaging, they – Lost all three of their timeouts in the beginning of the fourth quarter. That was worrisome, and he had those two controversial challenge calls. 
Yeah, speaking of needing a game management consultant, McVeigh definitely is. He gets in these tight games, and I'm not sure what he does. He got away with it this time, but it's not going to happen again in the Super Bowl. The game's too big, and uh, he, he makes a flub like that. He could cost his team the Lombardi trophy. Uh, will be interesting, though. The roles are reversed. This time it's uh, his student, Zach Taylor, former assistant with the Rams, coaches, head coach of the Bengals now, and uh, – you know, kind of like when McVeigh looked up to Belichick and a lot of people thought he got intimidated. It'll be interesting to see what that dynamic is next Sunday. Yeah, the thing about Zach Taylor is that he was on the brink of getting fired last year after Joe Burrow tore his ACL. And look at him now. He takes the Cincinnati team to the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow is a great player. So that's an interesting storyline. Definitely, which I was surprised because, let's face it, Marvin Lewis lasted forever in Cincinnati, and Mike Brown isn't one to be impatient with coaches, as evidenced by that. But I don't think Zach Taylor will be going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I bet he'll get a nice, shiny extension after this Super Bowl, whether they win or lose. Indeed, and you know he's got Joe Burrow to coach for many years, potentially going forward, which is a plus. Yeah, it sure is. So, Dom, um, besides the Super Bowl and exciting games, a ton of NFL off-the-field news this week, uh, starting with Tom Brady finally announcing his retirement. It was reported last Saturday by Jeff Darlington and Adam Schefter of ESPN that he was retiring. Brady denied it. The Bucks said they had not spoken to him and were not notified as such. Every Monday, he's got this podcast uh, slash show on Sirius XM Radio with Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald. He said he hadn't made a decision. And then he woke up Tuesday morning and said he was retiring. I don't know if he was waiting for one more paycheck or what, but kind of lame. He didn't announce it, uh, at least for Jim Gray's sake, on the radio show. What did you think? Well, I really think it's just a Tom Brady thing to do. He's got all those rings, and he just kind of wanted to drag it out. But, of course, everything gets leaked nowadays, so he wasn't able to do that. It got leaked. He, I feel like he had to deny it. He didn't want it to end like that. And he hadn't even notified anyone on the Buccaneers about it. So that was the worrisome thing about that. So, I mean, it was very confusing at the time on Saturday. We thought he was retiring. He denied it. And then he finally retires on Tuesday. But we're seeing possibly one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play retire finally. Yeah, some would argue the greatest with seven Super Bowl rings, like you said. Um, I also found it interesting that in his farewell address for lack of a better term that was posted on social media he didn't specifically mention the patriots yeah the patriots or bill belichick too so that was an interesting storyline yeah i know robert Kraft, patriots owner had a nice post about him on team social media but yeah uh, very interesting there you know when you think about it Brady originally signed a two-year contract in Tampa that kind of did some rejiggering with years and amount of money to free up some cap space to make another run this year. But he gave them what he originally said two years, so I don't think they're entirely surprised. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by this because I said in the last podcast I didn't think he was retiring. I didn't think he would have gone out like that with their loss to the Rams. But I think him seeing Ben Roethlisberger this season just kind of washed and he shouldn't be on the field. I didn't think Brady really wanted to go out like that. He wanted to end it with a mini playoff run, and they indeed did have that, but it ended against the Rams, obviously. Yeah, he had a fantastic year statistically, so it's not like he's going out limping. He went out on his own terms, so more power to him. Uh, and on the coaching front, the Giants, finally, Dom, uh, we both agree, made a good hire. They've got the Bills off. 
offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, to come be the new head coach. Uh, they all have nice things to say about Daniel Jones, which tells me he's their only option at quarterback this year. So this is a make or break year for him. What'd you think of the hiring? I thought it was a great hire, especially watching that Bills offense and that divisional game against the Chiefs. I'm very excited to see where this team will go, but obviously it's still the Giants. There's a deep rebuild needed for this team, especially with the holes that Joe Judge and David Gettleman really dug in this team. So it's going to be a harsh rebuild, but if the Giants can hopefully find their franchise quarterback, whether that's Daniel Jones or possibly a rookie coming out of the draft, then I think the Giants have a good future. Definitely, and you know, I think most Giants fans and media like agree 2022 is going to be a rebuild year, but 23 is a year, whether they look to draft one of the quarterbacks that will be coming out of college that year or better cap situation, uh, they think things will turn around then. But I, I think Dayball is the right man for the job. Brian Flores was the runner-up, and lo and behold, he dropped a major bomb on the NFL world this week. He has not gotten a head coaching job yet. He's had a number of interviews. And yesterday it was announced that he is suing the NFL, the Denver Broncos, and the aforementioned Giants. Uh, basically, under the Rooney rule, you're supposed to interview minority candidates for head coaching openings. And we are now down the NFL to one African-American head coach, Mike Tomlin. And, uh, you know, for those of you who remember, I think this is Brian Flores' Jerry Maguire moment. He's, he's going all in to make a stand. Yeah, and you're also forgetting the fact that the Dolphins' owner was trying to pay him for every single time they lost, and the owner got very mad when the Dolphins went on that winning streak this season. So I think that's another factor into this, but it's kind of crazy. Uh, the NFL really isn't allowing these minority head coaches to be able to coach. It's kind of scary. Yeah, and a number of coaches have come out. Uh, Hugh Jackson, former Brown's coach who admitted he took money to lose games. Um, Flores refused to, you know, a couple years ago, there was this whole tank for Tua movement. And late in the year, the Dolphins went into Foxborough and upset the Patriots. So, uh, you know, it was probably a lot of controversy about that. Supposedly owner Stephen Ross had lined up a, basically an illegal meeting with a, uh, with a quarterback from another team. And Flores walked off his boat where the meeting was supposed to be held. So you can kind of see a pattern here. The rumor was he didn't get along with ownership or some of his coworkers, but I think it's deeper than that. But uh, most fascinating one is that the Bill Belichick text threads dumb. But... Yeah. So you got a text from Bill Belichick. Belichick was congratulating him, but the giants were going to hire him. And then, the next day, Dayball is hired, and Belichick says, my bad, sorry, I got the wrong Brian. So that was interesting as well, and it kind of seemed a little rude from Belichick, like he's just oblivious to the situation. So that was interesting. And another thing, Flores got an interview with the Broncos, and reportedly John Elway came into the meeting hungover. So that's another interesting factor into this. Yeah, just a, a lot of unbelievable stories. It, it sounds like it's from a TV show or something, but it's not. So the, the NFL is a major problem on their hands. For me, it, Bill, Mr. Do-Your-Job Belichick, on top of everything, taskmaster, multi-Super Bowl winning coach, can't figure out how to send a text message, you know. Look at your contacts, Bill. Make sure you send it to the right Brian. I know he knows both of them. They both work with him in the past with the Patriots, but come on. I mean, there, there are some cynics out there who say maybe he did this deliberately to make the Giants look bad. I don't know if uh, he's still ticked off about them firing Joe Judge, but either way, he's completely careless or really sinister. I don't know what to believe, but that was fascinating. 
Yeah, who knows? It's Bill Belichick. He's almost equivalent to being Emperor Palpatine at this point. Perfect analogy. Perfect. But yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think Floor is going to uncover a lot of things with the NFL. And, you know, uh, your uncle Matt made a great point, Dom. Now that the NFL is in bed with all these sports books and gambling and whatnot, which was so taboo once upon a time, how do you think they'll feel knowing that owners are trying to pay coaches to tank games? I mean, uh, I don't think they'll be too happy about that. So Good old Roger Goodell has got himself a big hole to dig out of here. Yeah, we know Roger Goodell, he's not the greatest commissioner, so it would be interesting to see how he handles this. It's the greatest commissioner, the 32 fortunate owners in the NFL, or uh, making ticket revenue or parking revenue, as we've seen here at SoFi. But yeah, from a from a big picture perspective, I know he's grown the business, but I don't know if things have really gotten better. It's popular in the league, but they've got their own set of problems. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of things happening inside, like you said, with the owners and Roger Goodell. So things that we don't know about that have possibly been covered up. It's going to be a fascinating written by someone down the road about this this whole year, to say the least. But uh, moving on to other NFL topics, Dom, Jim Harbaugh, University of Michigan coach, uh, reportedly interviewed with the Dolphins and then later this week interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings went back to Ann Arbor. Not sure what's going to happen, but now it looks like Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, uh, former San Diego state Aztec and new England Patriot might be the front runner for that job. What do you make of all this? Well, it's interesting because I saw a story that Harbaugh was going to take the Vikings job and then he's going to take the Dolphins job and now he's going back to Michigan. So a lot of things were leaking and he ends up going back to Michigan, but I think it's the right choice. Harbaugh definitely saw what happened with Urban Meyer and that whole terrible situation in Jacksonville. And I think he wants to stay away from that path of college coaches kind of going to the NFL. So smart move. Yeah, and look, he took a pay last year, so I'm sure he's going to squeeze some nice change out of uh, the athletic director at Michigan. We'll see what happens. I, I think, too, he might not want to come back to the NFL unless it's the, the right move. When he was with the 49ers, he and GM Trent Balky didn't get along, so who knows. But uh, I will say this, Dom, the surest way to get a head job in the NFL is to be on Sean McVay's staff. I mean, you've got Taylor, Lafleur with the Packers, potentially O'Connell, uh, Brandon Staley, Mr. Gofford on fourth down with the Chargers, just to name a few. Yeah, he's almost like Bill Belichick with all of Bill Belichick's disciples. Not comparing McVay to Belichick, I'm just saying Belichick had a lot of assistants and coordinators that became head coaches, so it's interesting. Yeah, and those successful so McVeigh's very young in his 30s still be interesting to see what his proverbial coaching tree looks like down the road yeah and McVeigh always seems to find a young hot shot look at Staley as a defensive coordinator no one knew who he is now he's a head coach for the Chargers and now O'Connell possibly becoming a head coach so McVeigh seems to have like a good little tree going with all these coordinators and assistant coaches it's a great point. He not only has a good eye for talent on the field, but also with coaches. I mean, he restocks them after they leave. So um, I think that's an excellent point and something to keep your eye on. Yeah, it definitely is. So, Don, um, looking forward to the Super Bowl. We'll analyze the game more next week when we have our preview episode of the quote-unquote big game. Um, we know who you're rooting for. I'm sure we know who you're predicting, but we'll we'll save that suspense. Yeah, we will. The Pro Bowl is coming up. Not a lot happening in the NFL. Kind of like a 
little week off before the Super Bowl, and then it's the off season. So that's kind of scary to see. The off season is really close to us. Yeah, we're on our calendar this weekend, and really nothing to watch. I mean, uh, the end of football is staring us down. I guess it's good the week you know, it was extended by a week this season, but um, you know, nothing really to look forward to after the Super Bowl until draft time and free agency, really. Yeah, you're right. After football ends, not a lot of bright things happening. The NBA hasn't been too interesting. College basketball is barely getting to the thick of things. And we still have baseball, which is very annoying, this lockout. It's likely going to interfere with spring training, so you may not get any spring training at all. And might just start off the season, and it could even be a shortened season with how stubborn Rob Manfred is. Yeah, he and Tony Clark, the MLBPA head, really going nowhere and yet again baseball missing an opportunity to get a more captive audience and what do they do they have a locket so i don't see an end in sight and i don't see a reason for us to talk much baseball yes the only thing we could really talk about is congratulations to shohei otani for being on the cover of mlb the show 22 so that's the only news we got this week yeah Ball. Does that mean there's a jinx on that game, like the Madden cover jinx? I mean, this year what, was Brady and Mahomes were on the cover, and they're both out. How's that go? Well, I don't know, because Tatis was on it last year, and the Padres had a lot of good hopes. Tatis had a decent season, but Padres kind of had that losing streak towards the end of their season, and they didn't make the playoffs. So I don't know. Could we have MLB The Show cover, Chris? We already have the Madden curse and the NBA 2K curse. So is we have another sports game brewing here. Could have the trifecta, yeah, and Tatis got hurt and really wasn't himself last year, so uh, who knows, maybe it's a, a, another one where cover guy underachieves remains to be seen. Uh, Dom, one more NFL thing before I forget, you mentioned the Pro Bowl. The Las Vegas Raiders have a new coach, Josh McDaniels. Looks like he doesn't want to stick around for wait to, to wait for Bill Belichick to retire. What did you think of that hiring? Well, it's the right move by McDaniels. The Patriots don't really seem to be going anywhere. I feel like they'll be in a rebuilding phase after this little playoff push that they had. I think they're going to be in a little bit of a cap hole this offseason. So I think the Patriots will be rebuilding, and McDaniels is smart. He's actually taking a head coaching spot this time, unlike when he tried to go to the Indianapolis Colts and he ended up going <laughs> back to New England. So Yeah, and he's bringing Dave Ziegler along with him, former Patriots executive, to be GM, so they'll work together and – Got Derek Carr. A lot of coaches have come and tried to make things work with him. We'll see what he does if he improves Carr's career. And hopefully the Raider offense will seem better how they've been the past few years. Very bland, not a lot of creativity, and I think McDaniels could bring that to this offense. Definitely. And Dom, did I say David again or did I say Derek? I always mix the two brothers up. I can't remember. I think you said Derek. Usually you okay, say David, good. but I think you yeah. got Derek. Yeah, David was a poor guy who got first ever picked by the Texans who got so beaten up he didn't last long in the NFL. But he won a Super Bowl ring with the Giants as a backup. Yeah, that's always good. Backup quarterbacks don't get talked about too much. You get paid to sit on the bench and just watch a game for hours, watch 18 NFL games for hours and enjoy your time. Yeah, although these days with the way injuries happen, some, some play more than others. Yeah, you're definitely right about, about that. Look at Davis Mills on the Texans. Definitely. Well, Dom, um, you know, as we mentioned, your grandfather's got a wager on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. That's still alive and well. I will say on the flip side, uh, 
he had the Bills as well in Vegas, and um, I just can't help but think how mad the Bills players and fans and coaches must be because I personally think they could have taken the Bengals, and that would have been a great Super Bowl. Yeah, it definitely would have been a great Super Bowl, not just because of the gambling situation we have with the Bills and the Rams, but I think that the Bills' high-powered offense, they really just got outlasted by the Chiefs, but that would have been very interesting. Josh Allen could have possibly gotten a ring, and hey, maybe Brian Dayball couldn't have gotten hired as soon as he did. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dom, um, on the bright side, we don't have to hear Tony Romo again this season. <clears throat> Guy just has been awful down the stretch. I'm not the only one saying it. A lot of people in the media have been ripping him with his bad calls. Seems like he's not prepared, screaming like a like a kid at points during the game. But on the downside, we've got Chris Collinsworth doing the Super Bowl for one last time. You know, it looks like Al Michaels' final game with NBC is going to be the Super Bowl. And, won't have much more opportunity here you know al <laughs> well it's it's kind of sad to see al michaels go i grew up watching sunday night football with his voice and he really captivated me he's a great broadcaster and he worked with the late john madden as well so he has a lot of history with him but i am not sad to see chris collinsworth go you can't even pronounce anything right he says pass rush as pass rush so i i really aren't too happy about Chris Collinsworth leaving NBC. I agree. And Dom, I'm going to date you and make myself feel older here, but I remember Al Michaels doing the, you believe in Mir- do you believe in miracles Olympic hockey game in 1980? I was a kid, but I remember when he called baseball for ABC back in the eighties. So uh, it's been around a long time. Uh, hopefully it lands somewhere next year. Yeah. He seems to have bounced around a lot. Like you say, he did hockey, baseball, and he, work for ABC, NBC, so I mean, a lot of places that he can go. Yeah, I know there's some rumors he might go back to his old home at ESPN slash ABC for Monday Night Football or maybe Amazon for Thursday night, but we'll see. That's another topic for another show, so Dom, again, we want to thank everyone for listening. Download, subscribe, and rate by Apple Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, you name it, where you can find your podcasts. Uh, thanks again for all the great listens and feedback we've gotten from everyone. But before we go, what are your final thoughts? Well, my final thoughts, we kind of brought it up earlier, is the assistant coaches and coordinators becoming head coaches now in the NFL. And, of course, everyone knows about the Belichick disciples, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Josh McDaniels now, and Joe Judge and Barf. But – I think Sean McVay now is the new kind of provider for all these head coaches. Look at Brandon Staley. Look at Kevin O'Connell possibly being the Vikings head coach now. And look at the one and only Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, who's going to be coaching against McVay in the Super Bowl. So McVay, offensive genius, great head coach, the young hotshot. He was with Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan with the Redskins, and he really kind of built up that knowledge of football and now he's kind of bringing it to everyone else and that's helping these other coaches yeah it's definitely a great story look the nfl loves following trends that are successful but mcveigh's been successful for years i mean uh you you, you can criticize him for his game management but the bottom line is the guy's a great coach so people want his disciples they think he knows something which reminds me dom my final take the washington commanders Am I getting this right? Like, am I missing something? 
what yeah. um what in the heck did they pay all this money for? Never mind the name, but the logo and the uniform, whoever they Washington football, former Washington football team paid for this, uh they got ripped off because I'm not impressed. What were your thoughts? Yeah, they definitely got ripped off. I'm not even excited about the uniforms or the helmets or the logo or anything. I mean, at first I thought it was the Admirals. They said it was going to be the Admirals, and now all of a sudden it was the Commanders that got released this morning. I wasn't impressed with anything, but, hey, it's the Washington football team, former Washington football team, so it's obviously going to be mismanaged, and we know Dan Snyder does not care about this team at all, so you just let anything happen. But very underwhelming for all the hype that it got. Completely agree, and uh, don't forget that uh, Dan Snyder investigation that got John Gruden fired and Snyder got a slap on the wrist, but I digress. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll see you back here next week for our Super Bowl preview episode. Yes, thank you, Dad, and thank you guys for listening to the Domination Sports Nation podcast. Thank you.